this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Before I read the text this morning, I want to do a little explaining about things we should keep in mind when we look at a biblical text and try to discern what it means for us. Of course, we need to think about the historical context, the culture, the language, the time and place that it takes place. It's also good to consider where it is placed within the gospel narrative. And our story today comes at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. In fact, Jesus tells this story in the last week of his life. He's already paraded into Jerusalem, and yet he has not gathered with the disciples in the upper room yet. This is happening in an in-between time. It's also good to take note of what comes before and after the passage. And this passage today is sandwiched in between two other stories that Jesus tell, that both have a similar theme, that deal with waiting and readiness. So listen with me to this passage today. It's in Matthew 25, beginning in verse 1. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five were foolish, five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps as the bridegroom was delayed. All of them became drowsy and slept, but at midnight there was a shout, look, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the bridesmaids got up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. And later the other bridesmaids came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. Now, I happen to be the oldest of two younger brothers. And when we were growing up, there came a point at some time in our childhood where our parents decided we were old enough to stay by ourselves and we didn't need a babysitter. And maybe this is just my imagination, but my memory is that we would be left alone with some sort of marching orders, finish the dishes before they get back, clean up the family room, finish our homework, something like that. And we would nod and say, yes, yes. And then as soon as they got out the door, all bets were off. We were putting our feet up. We were watching whatever we wanted to watch on the television screen. And we were living the dream until we heard their tires hit the driveway. And then I turned into a general giving marching orders, and it was, you slow them down at the door, you hit the kitchen, I'll get the family room. 
and we tried not to look too out of breath when they came through. <laughs> and the thing about this story this morning is that it really is about two things. About what we are to do in the in-between time. What are we to do while we wait? And being ready. <laughs> being ready for a surprise return. It reminds me of that old bumper sticker, Jesus is coming soon, so look busy. What are we to do in this in-between times? What can we do while we wait? If you wait till the car tires are hitting the driveway, it's too late. So let's talk first about the importance of waiting. Nobody likes to wait. I hate waiting. My own children are already asking me, how many days till Christmas? The waiting has already begun to be agony for them. In this story, Jesus tells us, five are wise and five are foolish, but all of them have to wait. In fact, all ten of them get tired of how long and how hard the waiting is. All ten have oil, but only five, the wise ones, came prepared for a really long wait. Now, maybe they knew the groom's family and just knew he would never make it on time, but they came prepared to wait a long time. Waiting is hard, especially when it's something that is so long held and hoped for, and all of us are waiting for something. We are waiting on loved ones to get help. We are waiting for the doctor to call and say it's good news. We are waiting for the job offer. We are waiting for reconciliation between broken friendships. We are waiting through this pandemic for the day when things will finally get back to more sense of normalcy. We are waiting and waiting and waiting. Waiting is hard. I remember in my mom's own cancer journey how we, our entire family would just wait with held breath between the day of the scans and the day when the doctor called with the results. Who knew you could hold your breath that long, but you can. All of us are waiting for something, and it occurs to me today that some of you have been waiting and holding your breath for a very long time now. And it is hard, really hard. And if this morning you happen to feel a lot more like the foolish bridesmaids than the wise ones, if you happen to feel like you are ill-prepared from how hard and how long the wait really is, then I invite you to just remember something. All ten of them had to wait in this story. All ten of them got tired from how long and how hard the road is. And so if today you feel weary, if today you feel worn down, keep in mind that you do not walk this road alone. All of them got tired. In fact, I remind myself that in Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, one of the oldest Christian writings that we have, Paul's letter to that church, they were wondering, how long do we have to wait until Jesus returns? They were anxious 
and worried and life was hard and they wanted to know how long they'd have to wait. And in that letter, Paul tells them to be sure to encourage one another because that is what it is to be the body of Christ. That while we wait, we remember that we do not do it alone. Now, the other part of the story, being prepared. If you're a scout, you know this is important. Be prepared. If all 10 of the bridesmaids come to the party with oil, but only five come ready to wait. Only five realize that they have no control over when the groom is going to come to the party and they get to do their job of lighting the lamps to help parade him into the party. Only five of them come prepared to wait for a long haul. So what are we to do while we wait? Well, according to this story, it's simple. We try our best to keep our lamps lit. We try our best to keep shining the light while we wait. And according to this story, we keep the lamps going. It reminds me of that church camp song, give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning, burning, burning. Give me gas for my Ford, keep me drive, wait, give me gas for my Ford, keep me driving for the Lord. Okay, sorry. Um, keep me waxed for my board, keep me surfing for the Lord. I could keep going. But here's the thing. We keep gas in our car, we keep our lamps lit. That's what we do while we wait. It's an invitation for Jesus' disciples to decide how we will spend these days while we wait. Father Gregory Boyle, one of my heroes, in his book, Barking to the Choir, he writes that Jesus seems to have a lot of admirers and a lot of fans. People are, love Jesus. And he actually says that that's not really what Jesus wants is more admirers. He writes, I know with all certainty of my being that Jesus has no interest in my doing this. To just say, Jesus, 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 I'm your biggest fan, causes him to stare at his watch, tap his feet, and order a double on the rocks with a twist. He says, we, fandom is of no interest to Jesus. What matters to him is the authentic following of a disciple. We all settle for saying Jesus, but Jesus wants us to be in the world who he is. He doesn't want another admirer. He doesn't need another fan. He wants disciples. Disciples. People who stubbornly, determinedly carry the light of his love to be who he is. Even when the wait is long, even when the road is hard, to really and truly be who he is in the world. People who seek to heal rather than wound. People who seek to forgive. People who seek to love. People who live out compassion and service and giving in Matthew 25, just past our passage today, Jesus will go on to say, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Whatever you do to the least of these who are members of my family, you did to me. I remember a man I knew in Tennessee. I served with him on the board of the local food pantry. And um, he was a longtime volunteer there. And he had this great sense of humor. And he and I, we constantly teased each other all the time. And I remember one, one memory I have is um, at one of our board meetings that went enormously long, and it shouldn't have, uh, the, one of our fellow board members, a pastor, was closing the meeting with prayer. And the prayer was going on and on a bit. And he, mind you, during the prayer, leaned over and whispered to me, not very quietly, is it still Tuesday? And I like to tease him because um, he was a member of the Presbyterian Church, but his family, his son's family, were members of my church. And whenever we had a meal or a covered dish, he would always be in the pews on that Sunday. And I would tease him and say, how come it seems to me that you're only a member of the Christian church when we have food to offer? And we just constantly just joked and teased each other all the time. And when he was diagnosed with cancer in his 80s, they uh, found that there wasn't much they could do to help either extend his life or a treatment that would cure the cancer. And so he chose to do nothing and to live out his days the best he could for as long as he could. And I still remember uh, what he said to me this day. I called him and asked him how he was. And you know, we were constantly teasing each other back and forth. And so I remember this clearly because of the honesty of his answer. I called him and said, how are you, Dave? And he said, Kara, I'm living at the foot of the cross. There's no time for wasting. And he's right. He's right, isn't he? Amen. Amen.